0: if you're just uh, joining us the streamers just kicked in on youtube and all the video stuff that's sometimes delayed uh former uh guest of this show uh christopher gervais aka gervaisi uh of wildlife conservation film festivals passed away last friday Uh, I spoke to his mother at length, and I am going to be replaying his program uh, that that he was on. Again, it's from 2021, so uh, I don't think any of the links are uh, there. But he was talking about his life work, basically, a wildlife conservation film festival, an organization that he built uh, along with some business partners uh, and its mission. So I'm going to replay that interview. I want to say rest in peace, Chris. Uh, It's been great knowing you. It was great knowing you for 35 years. Uh, It came as a shock. We knew that he was sick. Uh, He had started some new treatment, uh, new medications, uh, things of that nature that did not uh, work out, obviously. So uh rest in peace, Chris. We're going to share with you right now that program. And uh, I'm going to step away here. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM.
1: They watched the film of killing of whale sharks off their waters. And as a result, that film helped change policy. Good morning,
0: everybody, and happy Thanksgiving for you people in the United States. We have a special program today. Today, I interview Chris Gervais of Wildlife Conservation Film Festivals. He has an online film festival on wildlife conservation at ZERB TV, X E R B dot TV. And without any further delay, here is my interview with Chris Gervais. Good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day it is for you. This is Jim Polsel with Safety Wars. Uh, today we're going to have a little bit of a different program. We're always concerned about industrial safety, safety for our homes, safety for our communities. Today we're going to be talking about safety in the environment, specifically endangered species and other wildlife. And I have on the other end of this, Christopher Gervais, who you know, for, I'll disclose here. He's been my friend for about 30 years now. Is that right, Chris, roughly? Yeah, that's about
1: it, Jim, I guess since we were in kindergarten, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, we actually both attended, then it was Stockton State College and the Environmental Studies Department. Chris was, I was more of the geology type, uh, natural resources type. Chris is more of the, I, I believe it would be fair,
1: marine bio, biology, paleontology, uh, end of things? Yeah, I mean, at the time at Stockton, I was environmental science and, and studied uh, vertebrate paleontology under Dr. Wood, and then uh, graduate school uh, went on to uh, marine science. But uh, that's a fair enough uh, assessment of uh, my background.
0: Right. And uh, about 11 years ago, or it has been 10 years, I lost track of time, you started Wildlife Conservation Film Festival. Uh, basically, uh, well, and and uh, I think everybody here knows my background. There's always a debate in college, and in the in graduate school specifically, with you have a protected species, a protected ecosystem. And how do you, you know you feel good about that? But the argument was, well, you got to do more than feel good about it. You have to experience it. And a lot of the fel- uh, ecosystems out there. Well, most people will never get to whether they're in Africa, South America, the Southern Sea. Any, or the Southern Ocean, as I was corrected by my son a couple of weeks ago. All these places, most people never go to. So, But we have a thing called films and the internet and things of that nature. And Chris's mission, I'll let him go to it. It's more or less to bring all of that to you
1: through uh, conservation film festivals. And we'll turn it over to you, Chris. So yeah, no, thank you, Jim. So uh, WCFF, as we abbreviate ourselves, Wildlife Conservation Film Festival, uh, the name says it all. We're now in our 12th year approaching our 12th year. And uh, our mission is very simple, very straightforward. We inform, we engage, we inspire wildlife conservation through the power of film. Uh, And very much of what you just said is true. Not everyone can see a wombat or a whale in the wild. So we bring these these ecosystems, these species to the people. And we do it uh, via several platforms. We have our flagship film festival in New York every October which runs 10 days where people can come and attend, uh, which you did yourself this year. And uh, there's over a hundred films that are screened during that time. Uh, In a normal year, a non-pandemic year, we have hundreds of filmmakers there from all across the globe where people can speak with, ask questions and interact with. But last year, meaning uh, 2020, uh, because of the, uh, the pandemic, as we call it, we were forced not to be able to have the event with a live audience. Uh, as theaters were shut down in the city. So we were forced to do a virtual program, which, uh, well, because we had people from all across the globe, whether it be from Argentina to Algeria, from Bangkok to Beijing that came and logged on because they were never able to come to New York for whatever reasons. And uh, for 40 days we screened, I think last year was 200 and some films. We had hundreds of filmmakers and scientists where we did uh, multiple live chats daily via Zoom where people again could interact. And uh, because of its popularity last year, we're doing the same thing again this year. So starting on November 25th, and I realize that's Thanksgiving for us Americans, but not for the remaining 200 and some countries across the globe, we will launch uh, again our virtual edition of this year's film festival, which will have 120 plus films and uh, and some days live chats with filmmakers. And uh, for anyone who is interested in this, uh, it's a very simple process. Uh, you can log on to XERB.TV, TV, TV, and from there uh, you'll go to uh, Wildlife Conservation Film Festival, WCFF, and then you'll go to our virtual events. So and, if you're uh,
0: following, if you're following along, uh, this will be in the summary. The uh, website will be in the summary, uh, as
1: well as Chris's contact information. And uh, you know, once you log on, it's a it's twenty dollars fee for uh, thirty five plus days where you can watch uh, over 115 films. I think it might be closer to 120 now. Uh, And these films range anywhere from five minutes to two and a half hours. And you can watch them as many times as you wish over that time period. You can watch them from your iPhone, your Android, your iPad, your Apple TV, your smart TV, uh, numerous different platforms. And uh, you can watch each film multiple times. You can even put a film, so let's say some of the longer films that are over 60 minutes, you can put them on pause. Uh, you don't have to watch it all at once, and then you can come back a day or a few days later, or even a week, and resume where you left off. Yeah, it's a great way to spend the holidays. Not everyone is traveling. Some people are by themselves.
0: The- I, I know we did it last year with our children, my wife and I, and it was a fantastic experience to actually see that. And they were eight and five at the time. A five-year-old pretty, found it, a lot of the stuff very cute. And it, no, what was nice was with the shorter films, that was something really appropriate for the under 10-year-old.
1: Uh, yeah, it matches your I mean, attention span. Yeah. Uh, the the great thing about these films is you won't find them on Amazon. You won't find them on Netflix, uh, at least not yet. Uh, some of them will never make it for a number of reasons, and and these films in particular, they are world premieres at the 2021 WCFF, both in our theater or on our virtual platform. So you know, for those that have uh, say they're apprehensive and say, oh no, not another uh, online uh, platform to watch films, well yes, there are certainly dozens out there. The films that WCFF is showing here and now, you will not see on the other platforms at this time. Uh, and again, it's only it's only a one-time subscription fee of $20 for the virtual event. And then if you want to w- continue watching these films uh, after the uh, virtual event is over, then we have the WCFF channel, right. which uh, currently has, I think, about 525 films, some of which are part of this virtual event, others which date back to uh, within the last year, year and a half of when we created the channel. And that is a very nominal fee of $6 a month. And again, the vast majority of those films there, you also will not find on, on the major uh, platforms that I had just mentioned. So, you know, again, I believe uh, this little information will all be provided uh, at the end of the program, right, but right. Uh, go to xerbatv forward slash WCFF, and then you'll see virtual event, for the virtual program, or if you want to subscribe to the channel, that will be under watch anytime. That's how you can uh, follow us. And if you want to get more information, you know, we're very active on social media. WCFF is on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And our website, uh, again, is WCFF.org. Great. Chris, we'll touch base on that in a little bit.
0: You went through an evolution, I guess. You're always interested in all this stuff going way back, right, on this end of the environmental field. So this is sort of like an evolution, like what I think most people, will, I'll say are vintage, right, where you go through an evolution and you end up in places that you don't really expect. So uh, did, would it be fair to say that you went through a similar evolution? No, you're always interested in this subject matter, protecting endangered species, protecting ecosystems, and it's been like a passion of yours. It's been like a running theme. So for example, you were involved in several nonprofits. We won't, we won't have to mention them, but, uh, and everything else. That seems like a really good fit for you, another you for all these years. Yeah, I mean, and it's, it's a others. good
1: point you bring up. I mean, I had always been involved in in nature and in science ever since I was a wee lad. I guess that's following the family's genes, family history. You know, after college, after graduate school, I went into uh, academic research and teaching, and, and I thought I would be there the rest of my life. Uh, I was living in, in South Florida and was very happy there, but I moved up to uh, moved back to the Northeast to get married, which unfortunately that didn't work out. And then I worked in academic publishing for a number of years. And uh, you know that bubble, as we all know, burst. Uh, right. Around 2010, uh, I found myself at a convention uh, in San Francisco where my entire division was laid off via an email. Although it wasn't any surprise because the writing was on the wall for some months. So what I did was uh, got a car and drove home across country because I didn't have to be back at the office, so to speak, right. on Monday. And uh, you know I had one of these find yourself or redefine yourself moments and uh, stopped in multiple national parks on the way home and stopped in a small town in Montana where they were having a film festival, uh, similar to what I do now. Was that a uh, and, uh, uh, This was no, in Missoula. Me. And uh, oh, I said, you know, it's a shame there's nothing like this in a major metropolitan city uh, in the country. And at that time, there was not uh, a lot of these environmental film festivals, which we are not an environmental film festival. We are more uh, defined uh, specifically our genre is a wildlife conservation film festival, uh, are, are generally much smaller, less populated towns. Uh, and here we come along and we decide, um, I guess this is May of 2010, that, uh, you know, at the time I was a member of, a, uh, of an organization in New York City and I had met with uh, several mentors, uh, Dr. Sylvia Earle and the late Jim Fowler, and they said, you know, go for it. You're not doing anything at the moment. You're in between careers. Why don't you try and do this on your own? And uh, WCFF was in launch at that time. And our first event was in September of that year, September of 2010. Uh, the first two years we had our, our film festival out in the East End of, uh, of the Hamptons uh, in Sag Harbor. And a uh, you know, smaller event, but over the years it's grown from one day to where now in our 12th year. And for the last few years, it's been a 10 day event with hundreds of films, hundreds of filmmakers, uh, thousands of attendees. Although this year was an exception, you know, our attendance was light. We didn't have international filmmakers this well, you've year. Had a
0: major, you've had major celebrities show up to these events. Uh, we that.
1: have over the years. We've had a number of them. I won't mention their names because a lot of them, you know, they want their privacy respected. Uh, right. One shows up every year in a baseball hat and sunglasses, and, and that's, like uh, that's how she wishes to attend the event. And, uh, you know, she herself is a very strong wildlife conservationist, but, uh, you know, she doesn't look at the doesn't want the spotlight or the limelight on her, you know,
0: I I respect your privacy. I I tell uh, you what, uh, my wife and I finally got to one of your events, right? We're not, well, everyone knows how my schedule is. Who listens? Uh, It was for my birthday, right? 51st birthday, she said, oh, let's go. No, and I said, I tell you what, hon, you know what I like, you go and pick out the day. She picked out the day that was 100% appropriate to me. That was when there were two films on Yellowstone. Uh, Another uh, film was on uh, the grasslands up in Canada, in uh, Western Canada. And there was another film on Texas. And I thought, you no, know, as you know, I'm very familiar with Yellowstone. I've been there you know, for the listeners here. I've been there, I did a project out in Mission Line, Montana, uh, outside of Yellowstone, about an hour and 10 minutes outside of Yellowstone for one uh, fall, right? From the uh, end of the summer to the early winter. I've been to Yellowstone a number of times. I'm very familiar with it. It felt really good going in and seeing all these places that I've already been. <laughs> You know, I just about fell out of the chair.
1: You know, it, it's very settling when you, when, you, when you watch a film and you say, you know, I was there. I was in that very spot. And, and right. that's happened to me over the years. I think the series that you're mentioning was a, a themed series that we titled The American Old West. And yes. uh, the uh, two films in particular, one about Yellowstone was about grizzly bears, which was narrated right. by the Academy Award winner Jeff Bridges. And then we had multiple films this year narrated by Peter Coyote. Uh, who uh, has done a remarkable job narrating uh, fantastic wildlife and natural history documentaries over his illustrious career, and uh, both of whom I have not had the pleasure of meeting, but I hope one day, Peter, in particular, we can give a, an award to, because, uh, oh, I think over the last 12 years, there's probably over a dozen and a half films that he has narrated, that we've screened on wildlife. It seems to be his, his passion, and, and he just has that voice. He has that incredible right. voice that you... You, know, you narrow down your list to your short list of who you want as a narrator for your film. And uh, and he always seems to come up as a producer saying, one Peter Coyote is a narrator of the film. And we've had we've had a number of, uh, of uh, celebrities over the years narrate films uh, that we've screened. Uh, we've even had celebrities uh, star in, in some of the films. Right. Uh, a few years ago, we had William Shatner, Captain Kirk, uh, in, a, in a film about whale sharks. Right, uh, And uh, that was a film that I always mention because that film in particular, change policy uh, when it was shown to the royal family of Thailand. And at the time, I was not even aware that Thailand had a royal family. They watched the film of killing of whale sharks off their waters. And as a result, that film helped change policy and led to the protection of whale sharks no longer being uh, hunted and killed off uh, off Thailand's waters. Now, of course, we know that there's still illegal poaching and illegal commercial fishing. And that is something that will take uh, many more years to stop and control. But now there at least is protection in the books and that protection is enforced. And, and that's one of the things we take pride with Wildlife Conservation Film Festival. We've had a number of films over the years, whether it be about uh, ivory in which, um, when we took the film festival to right. China right. in 2017 and, and later on President Xi put into law the ban of import and export of ivory into China. And, and we that's no longer, a huge market there. And that? and that is a market there. And we no longer see 30,000 elephants killed a year. In, in Africa, that number has been cut in half. Still too many, but because of the wisdom of President Xi and his insight, you know, it, it was a great step in the right direction. Hopefully, we'll see more and more positive things. I, I just saw a report where, for the first time in a very long time, uh, in Kenya in particular, particular, their elephant population has increased, and and much of this is because of the protection plans that they had in place by Kenya Wildlife Services, and because of the uh, poaching uh, restrictions they have, and the fact that China is. Uh, has adopted this no-import-export policy uh, of ivory. You know, these are things that, you know, Wildlife Conservation Film Festival, we have a role that we play in this. I mean, certainly there are other organizations and government organizations that are involved, but again, uh, it's no single individual or single group or organization that uh, that can do this by themselves.
0: Well, I'll say this much. We grew up, you know, in the 80s, with all these TV series, you had Knight Rider, you had all these other ones. And what and the overall message of a lot of them was one man can make a difference. In this case, one person, one group, small group of people here came up with an idea and now they're impacting policy with this. There is a vision and that's part of being a leader is you have to develop a vision, communicate the vision and see it through. And you've done, I wanna congratulate you on that because you've done that with this. There's a lot of people that I'm sure when you started, there was a lot of doubt well, is this going to work? Is this not going to work? How am I going to do this? How am I going to pay the bills? Yeah. <laughs> right? At the, oh, like yeah. Other, I mean, we we uh, still reorganization.
1: We, we still face adversity today. I mean, when, when we started, it was very difficult to get films submitted from filmmakers, you know, being a new organization, a new company, people were apprehensive and say, you know, what is WCFF? I've never heard of them. And one of the things I take pride in is we are not a nonprofit and I don't want to be a nonprofit. And that's, and that's a discussion for another time. And for those, you know, who will have that question as to why in summary, I'll just say, I, I, I know of too many organizations, particularly in conservation and wildlife that are nonprofits, that are legally 501c3s. And Quite frankly, I don't know where the money goes. It's certainly not going to conservation. I'm not going to name these organizations. They know who they are. I certainly know who they are because I have followed them over the years. and I've been involved with them over the years. Right. But the one thing about WCF that we're very proud of is our transparency. Every dollar that comes into this organization goes into the operational expenses and into our budget. And, and uh, if someone says, well, where is this money going? I don't have to think about you know, what answer to give them. I can give it to them automatically. I don't have to say, well, let me give you, you know, give us several weeks for us to generate a report again, you know, fully transparent. Again, the money goes into exactly what we're saying that it's being spent for. And that is the operational expenses, which you as a business owner know right. that those expenses are are long and, uh, and they vary from, in our case, rental of theater to advertising promotion, marketing, uh, the list goes on. But even today, you know, we're, we're always facing, uh, Adversity, say from the big boy networks, because uh, you know they want these films first, or they want complete control over these films and for no one else to show them. Uh, and unfortunately, you know the, the ugly side of this industry, the film industry, that it is a business, and it, at times can be a cutthroat and ruthless business. But uh, you know we're very fortunate, but we've developed a reputation of excellence globally over the years. You know now we have filmmakers coming to us that they contact us and say we want to show our film. Whether it be a world or North American premiere at WCFF. And you know, that is something that I'm very proud of because, in the beginning, uh, it was very difficult. I cannot say in the beginning, I, I didn't question whether we were going to succeed or fail because, you know, you know me, Jim, as you said, for 30 years, I have always adopted a policy that failure is not an option. Right. And uh, that when I take on a case or a subject or a job, or in this case, uh, WCFF for me is not a career, it's not a job. I, I'm not sure how I define it. Uh, a life calling, yes. so to speak. Uh, you know, it's it's more than all of that. But right. uh, for me, it was never a question of will this succeed. It was a question that I will do whatever I have to to make sure that this organization not only exists, but thrives. You know, there's an analogy that I use from, from the way Jacques Cousteau, People protect what they love. And, and as I love WCFF, I have protected it over the years. But these films also do the same thing. As I had mentioned, not everyone will be able to see uh, an elephant in the wild, whether it's, uh, whether it's in Africa or Asia, not everyone will be able to see a koala or, or a wombat or, or a whale swimming in the ocean. So if they can't see it, how do they love it? And they do so through the power of film. And through film and media, they'll then be inspired and engaged to protect. And uh, you know, we've had people come from Midwestern United States from Kansas who have never seen the ocean, but yet they love the ocean. They love the coral reefs. They love the marine life that is swimming in the ocean, whether it's a shark or a whale or a seahorse. And, uh, and they may in their lifetime never have that opportunity to go physically see it, whether it's because of economics or, or a variety of reasons. But that doesn't mean they can't fight to protect it. And they do so because of what they see in film or in a media exhibit of photography. And, and that's something that we're very proud of, that you know, over the years we have influenced thousands, tens of thousands of people globally. We have developed partnerships to take our film festival to China, to Brazil, to Mexico, uh, to uh, Nigeria and Africa, to multiple European countries. Uh, So we're we're not a film festival that is specifically based in New York any longer. We are a global organization. And uh, true, we have not done uh, our global events in the last almost 24 months, but we're hoping that by 2022, we'll be able to resume our global partnership program. And in fact, uh, we're looking at expanding to a number of other countries across the globe into 2022 and then in 2023 and beyond.
0: Perfect. So um,
1: it's an exciting time for WCFF. And uh, you know, I'm optimistic about what the future holds for us.
0: That sounds great, Chris, you're an inspiration.
1: Uh, I think that's a pretty
0: good place to end it.
1: So how
0: do they uh, find
1: you? Well, again, uh, you know, if, you, if you are active on social media, on Instagram and Twitter we are wCFF underscore.org if you use Facebook and LinkedIn just type in Wildlife Conservation Film Festival where we have a group page on LinkedIn and a group page on Facebook and then uh, our uh, website again is wCff.org uh, there you can uh, you can contact us via email and uh, I'll make it even easier just info at wCFF.org is our email address. And uh, you know, we, are, we are fairly active. We've been a little quiet the last few weeks just because we needed a break between the physical event in New York oh, yeah, and yeah, the virtual yeah. event coming up. So we uh, went into a little mini hibernation, but uh, starting uh, next week, we'll be very active on social media uh, before we launch the virtual event on the 25th. Uh, please, if you have any questions, just contact us directly. You know, we're always, you so uh, much, always happy to uh, hear from our, uh, our supporters.
0: All right. Thank you very much, Chris. And that's Chris Gervais from Wildlife Conservation Film Festival. Thank you for coming on to our podcast and tell you and telling us what's going on with you. And we're looking
1: forward to future updates. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate your support, allowing us to participate tonight and look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Great. Thanks a lot, Chris.
2: any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.
0: That's uh, unfortunate. Uh, uh, We won't get to talk with him again. But let's not forget about his important work that he had. Uh, And protecting wildlife. And, no, no, basically it was, it's kind of hard to put into words what I'm feeling here uh, about Chris. I want to remember him as a person who had a purpose. His purpose was wildlife. Wildlife protecting endangered species, uh, protecting ecosystems, Bring that to everybody. And, it, and it's still a very important thing. It, I think we learned during the last couple of years, you have to be going out there and experiencing things. And this whole thing was, you know, you'd see people go to these films and experience these films and then say, you know what, we're going to go out and we're going to look at this stuff. It's important to see this stuff. Well, you know, you'll—I'm never going to be able to go to Antarctica, in all likelihood. But to see something on film like that inspires me to go out and experience it myself. Maybe, no—I've always wanted to uh, do crazy things on video, uh, deal with wildlife, right? Document uh, documentaries and things of that nature. Not where my skill set lies, at least not yet and uh but i'm glad that we have people out there still doing that taking uh you know continuing on this work with him um uh, the uh, if you go over zerb tv uh they still have the list of all the films that were there they are available on other platforms uh i'll uh try to you know in the future uh post uh some other stuff uh i know uh Uh, He was very active on Vimeo. Uh, uh, Here, let's see. Bear with me. All right. Uh, Okay, apparently a lot of this stuff was taken down uh, here. So he was, uh, no, here it is. WCFF on uh, Vimeo, Uh, Vimeo vimeo.com, you go into WCFF and, hold on, here it is, Uh, all different types of links to videos, let me uh, share this, Uh, do a share screen. So this was his last uh, video, upgraded, uh, update uh, up here of advertisement for Kings of the North searching for the last ice bears. I mean, these are all professionally done films here that he had, uh, was advertising. But anyway, here we have. Anyway, thanks for bearing with me. So we're going to take a brief uh, break here and uh, do some commercials. And so we're just going to go and share a couple of news stories here. And we'll be back uh, tomorrow night, uh, February 15th. Uh, and we'll go from there. All right, uh, some OSHA news and, uh, here. Uh, I don't believe we covered a lot of this stuff. So this is, again, uh, everyone is innocent until proven guilty. Uh, a lot of these uh, citations are proposed citations, and they may be vacated or anything. No, any number of things may do that. Vacate them, reduce them, uh, increase them. I've, right Today I heard that they increased one. Well, I had a customer call up uh, that, uh, hey, uh, you know, I went there and argued, and they said they're going to come in again. Well, maybe you shouldn't yell at OSHA. Not usually a very successful strategy to yell at people. New Jersey contractor's ongoing disregard for safety law laws leads to one million dollar penalty after federal inspection finds workers exposed to fall, falls. Uh, the now this did not hit the major news network, so I did not want to really go out there and share this. Uh, names but this is out of patterson new jersey a company uh was uh, uh put under a local emphasis program for falls and construction the agency issued six willful violations in july 2023 uh from july 2023 The company faces a proposed penalties of one million seventeen 17 dollars these things the OSHA has inspected this company for five times, and in each instance the agency cited the company for failure to ride workers with fall protection. The company has been added to the Severe Violators Program. So, do we have a... Yeah, here it is, from the 24th. Uh, And here is the citation list, so we're just going to go down and... Here we are. All right. Citation one, item one, serious, 1926 100. No hard hats. Right. Uh, again, uh, no hard hats. Citation item, citation one, item two. Working levels on scaffolds are not fully planked. 16,131. Citation one, item three, more scaffolding issues. Uh, and and this was scaffolding access, it looks like. Uh, the employee climbed the scaffold frame uh, to the lower roof. That was observed uh, last July. Another 16,131. Citation one, item four. More scaffolding issues. Uh, Again, no top rail, no personal fall arrest systems, no guardrail system on the scaffold, the working level. 16,131. Citation two, item one, a willful. And this was uh, the full amount, uh, 152,100. That was the full amount at the time of the violation. And this was no safety glasses. Really, no safety glasses. God, gotta love it. Here we have citation to item two. This is the full amount. Uh, again, why one is at one fifty two? That's not the full amount. Aye, yeah yeah Here we have one sixty one three twenty three citation to item two. Each employee engaged in residential construction, no fall protection. Willful. Citation to item three, willful, $161,000. No fall protection. Citation to item four, willful, no fall protection. Citation to item five, willful, no fall protection. Citation to item six, another willful, no uh, fall protection for a grand total of $1,017,248. I mean, I, you know I, I don't get it. The U.S. Department of Labor cites Alabama construction player for after illness claims. I think we covered this on our last program. This is from February 5th, 16,131. It was a general duty clause violation. Again, this is a uh, you're going to be seeing more of these. Uh, OSHA is no. They've had one of these uh, proposed standards in the books, on the books, and uh, the proposal stage. Now uh, let's do a stop share here. There was one uh, thing I wanted to cover. It was on the Alec Baldwin situation with the Arborer. All right. Uh, all right. Here is from the AP. Uh, there was a rather extensive article from another website here. I'm not going to share with anybody here. That uh, now uh, we'll be covering this trial uh, from the over the next few weeks because the uh, now I was always wondering, you know, what ha- You know, why is this being, You know who is, what is her name? Gunteris Reed, right, is her name. Hannah Gunteris Reed. Unwittingly brought live rounds onto the set when she first began to work on the film. Uh, She's uh, involuntary homicide. But now uh, the tragedy occurred, and this is from special prosecutor Carrie Morrissey, right? Uh, The tragedy occurred due to a series of negligent acts, given that the live rounds were on set well before October 21st, 2021. I was wondering what the basis of their of the this whole thing is, uh, because she was told not to do her job, and they cut her budget and you know, budgeting issues and everything else, and there was lack of supervision of of her with this. So, again, you know, Alec Baldwin, okay, he held allegedly held the gun with her. It was well, she's you know uh, was in charge, but she wasn't in charge in this thing. Now, this is what it comes down to. And again, if you are involved with a fatality on site, all right, and if you are a person in charge, foreman or above, again, you have a right to remain silent and you have a right to an attorney. You do have Miranda rights, you have to assert them. Had these folks kept their mouths shut, they probably would not be dealing with. criminal, my opinion, criminal things. They might be, but you're not, you know, you're not a certain. They talk and they talk and they talk. They think they're going to talk their way out of a fatality. You're not going to talk your way out of a fatality. Real simple. Right? So uh, this is... Uh... All right. So uh, basically, there were mitigating circumstances, allegedly... No, that go beyond the actual act. So, for example, they were uh, uh, no, uh, no. There was live ammunition on the pile on the thing, according to uh, prosecutors. The armor was responsible for storage, maintenance, and handling of firearms and ammunition, right? And and go. What else? There was allegedly some type of drug stuff, allegedly obstruction of justice, tampering with evidence uh, sort of thing, Uh, which are felony charges Uh, and a whole bunch of uh, stuff on emails and on text messages, allegedly Uh, videos of her bringing a gun and this particular gun allegedly into a Santa Fe bar. Again, this little thing called the smartphone. People say, well, Jim, why is it that color? Why do you have that color? Says, oh, I could see it. All right. It's your own worst enemy. If you're doing illegal stuff, don't put it on the phone. I'm I'm sorry. This is not telling people how to get, get around the law. All right. But these smartphones, again, uh, I had a labor law attorney who had a question at a conference, and he said, Well, uh, the thing was, well, do we videotape, do we videotape stuff Uh, now on site? And he says, well, sometimes it works out for you. Sometimes it doesn't. All right. We had, uh, I had a a client uh, call me up for a consultation. All right. So if you want to, if you want to consult with me, you want to talk with me for an hour, I'm, we could do that for an hour. You don't have to hire me for the whole thing, but for an hour. So, for example, this week, I have a client on uh, this uh, week who is uh, uh, coming in from overseas. who wants to know uh, what this thing called OSHA is. So I'm consulting with that person for a week, for an hour. We do that sort of thing. But uh, what, what, anyway, this other guy, he, call, he calls me up. Blah, blah, blah. I, we do a little investigating. Turns out that people uh, on site got out their smartphone. They wanted to do a TikTok video. Before you know it, they had a catastrophic situation occur. Why? Because they think that they were filming a TikTok video because, pardon me, they were, they were micro-influencers of some sort. Guess what? Same thing that looks like happened here with this. Uh, with this. Uh, and we'll see how this trial is. We're going to be going in and figuring things out. So that's all I have for it tonight uh, on Safety Wars. Uh, we're, yeah, I don't know. Uh, thanks for bearing with me. We're a little bit discombobulated here uh, with some technical uh, issues uh, with things. But uh I want to uh, thank everybody for bearing with me here. And... Uh, We'll go, we're we're getting better, we're getting back in the swing of things here. So, uh, we will be seeing everybody tomorrow here on Safety Wars, and we'll go from there.